Σπάλματά μου που σε διώξαν μακριά μου Έφυγε, έφυγε, έφυγε την έχω χάσει Και γυρνώ και ρωτώ και τους δρόμους έχω πιάσει that every episode and I can't hear your answers but I hope you're doing well <laughs> yeah I mean but yeah that was a little Stelios Kazancidas actually got that from uh, I've been watching The Wire re- running back The Wire I don't know if I mentioned that at all but that song is from uh, what is that season 2 the whole uh, Greek They're dealing with the Greeks and the docks and shit Playing some little traditional Greek music out here, you know what I mean? But yeah, man, shouts my man Stelios, you know what I mean? But yes, sir, episode 53, man. We back. Also, just a little disclaimer, you know what I mean? Uh, I know I've said on here before that this is a weekly podcast. Used to be kind of bi-weekly. I noticed that Apple Podcast still has it listed as a bi-weekly podcast. And just given that, given that I'm not home as much as I used to be, you know what I'm saying, working and shit, uh, it's, I'm just going to go ahead and say it's going to bounce back and forth between a weekly and bi-weekly, you know what I'm saying? However the fuck I'm feeling, B. Because guess what? This is my shit. I make the motherfucking rules, bitch. Oh, yeah. I'm saying, if you don't like it, fuck, 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 fuck out it. I mean, so yeah, just a little disclaimer. I know I'm a little quote unquote late with this episode, but guess what? I ain't. I motherfucker. 
Um, yeah, so let's get right into it, man. I know I told you guys I was going back up to the beach house for the weekend, so I'll spend some time with the fam up there. Felt like a fucking long weekend, man. I went up Thursday night. Uh, my aunt and uncle and cousin that I hadn't seen in a few years were in town, so I got to spend some time with them. Chilling with my sister, like I mentioned, and my parents, you know what I mean? Just kicking it around the house. And then I actually, what was it, Saturday, I went and dropped off my sister at Jack's airport. And ID, friend of the show that's been on two episodes, lives up in Jack's now. So I slid over to see ID's crib in the town center. Shouts to ID. And then uh, my man's P. Butta Matane were up at a hip-hop conference in Jacksonville also, ironically. so, And they had a fucking free pass for you, boy. You know what I mean? She. she so, she. you know me. I mean, I'm always down to roll with the punches, you know what I'm saying? Fly by the seat of my pants. But yeah, they had an extra pass for this Fleet DJ's music hip-hop conference in Jacksonville up by the river, Riverwalk area. So I went and met up with them on Saturday, uh, late afternoon, evening. You know what I mean? That was cool. Got to meet some people, see some good acts. I actually want to play this one artist that we saw there. Um, in my opinion, was the best act of the night. Definitely, you know, I, as I've told you guys, I'm into like punk rock and shit like that. And I think there was, it sounded like there was some kind of punk rock, rock influence in this dude's music. He goes by Juice Lord, which, then that's, I guess they say never judge a book by its cover, right? Because the name Juice Lord, I would think like, all right, I don't want to fucking hear this dude. But honestly, when they came on, like, the music was fucking awesome. Uh, sort of reminded me of uh, Flatbush Zombies-type music. But I'm not going to play... The song that they played that kind of won me over was called Pirates. Uh, if you go to my fucking IG, you'll see what I'm talking about. But I guess he just dropped this new single called Quarantine. That I, I want to play this one just because, you know... I guess it's a, it's, it's a newer song, first off. But I guess it's a little more relatable you know what i mean everyone can relate to this shit but yeah this is juice lord new single quarantine i keep telling these niggas man we gotta march it's the only way how else we gonna heal from this shit this shit this shit this shit this shit fucking day whatever the fucking quarantine i watched everything on netflix
fuck it, I'm ready to catch it, my nigga, cause I ain't got nothing to lose. They told me that shit would be normal as long as we listen and follow the rules. They lying, my nigga, it wasn't the truth. What the fuck, I'ma go with I mean, yeah, definitely uh, a little, a little extreme, a little intense. But like I said, I grew up on punk rock and crazy, wild, off the wall shit. So that I thought it was dope, man. Shouts to Juice Lord, you know what I'm saying? Got support, got to support. You know what I mean, independent artist, man. In my opinion, that was the best artist that performed that night. That obviously I'd never heard of. So I figured I'd. Shine a little light out here, you know I mean? Support, you know, support hip-hop, man. And then came back to the beach house, dropped my dad off at the airport Sunday morning back in Sanford here in the Orlando area. My fucking rearview mirror fell off on the way down. <laughs> so that was great. Um, it's actually the second time that shit's happened. It's fairly easy to reattach. It's just annoying as fuck. You gotta like scrape all the old glue off and it's a whole process, but luckily I'd done it before, so sorta knew what I was doing there, you know what I mean? But I was definitely like What the fuck is this Sam? piece of shit? But yeah, man. Good weekend overall. Back in O Town now, you know what I mean? Back to work, back to the grind, man. But we got some stuff to talk about here today. Let me see what we got first. I guess we'll start with music like always, man. I saw that the legend, John Mayer, just put out a new album called Sob Rock. I don't, I don't know how old this dude is, but I feel like he's been popping since I was in elementary school. Uh, shouts to John Mayer, man. He fucking doesn't look a day older. I mean, he looks a little older than when he first came out, but I mean, aging gracefully out here. Fucking John Mayer, Sob Rock. I'll play a joint off his new album. The first song is called Last Train Home, but I thought he already had a song called Last Train Home. Uh, let's play. I'll play this other song called New Light off of John Mayer's new album, Sob Rock. Take a ride. 
Jermaine. So yeah, I guess and you said uh what do you say? Closing in on forty or something like that. Pushing forty. So yeah, man. And I guess I don't know. I really don't remember when he first came out. Let's look it up. When did his first album drop? At least as far as the albums listed on Okay, yeah, oh one. His first album, Room for Squares, was released in two thousand and one. So I was fucking eleven years old. That's nuts. He's been around forever, bro. He's literally been putting out music for 20 years. Exactly. It's 2021. Brand new album, Sob Rock. You know what I'm saying? So yeah, bro. That's that new shit. What else we got? And also, my boy Vince Staples dropped a new project produced by Kenny Beats. So I'm going to play a song off of their new project, self-titled. It's just called Vince Staples. I'm going to play Sundown Town. You know what I mean? Yeah. 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 Your grade, we was in the hood, rent was late, ain't had section eight, had the 38 in the eighth, moved on 68, then they put us out. We was sleeping on my auntie couch, then she put us out. Summit growling, stealing from the rouse. If I pull it out, I'ma send a nigga to the crowds, watch them bullets bounce. Bet they love with guns, I love the sound, yeah. Self-titled album. Go get that shit, man. What else do we got here for music? Um, congrats to K-Dot, Kendrick Lamar. His album, Good Kid, Mad City, is now the longest charting hip-hop album on Billboard of all time, I believe. Kendrick Lamar's Good Kid, Mad City is the longest charting hip-hop album in U.S. chart history. Since his debut on the Billboard 200 at number 2 in 2012, the album has continuously charted for over 400 weeks. So yeah, once again, shouts to Kendrick. Yeah, I mean, also, shout out to the rapper Shine. Um, If you're not a huge hip-hop head, you may not know who Shine is. Definitely from back in like the 90s, 2000s era. 
I saw this thing that said former bad boy rapper Shine was appointed Belize's leader of the opposition at the end of June 2021. This new role came less than a year after he was elected into the country's House of Representatives. So, yeah, that's just fucking nuts, man. It just proves you can you can do anything you put your mind to, man. People want to fucking downgrade rap, talk down and shit. But, hey, man, this rapper's out here doing big things, baby. Yes, sir. What else do we got for music here? Um, let me see. Let me see. Apparently, there's a new Paul McCartney documentary on Hulu. I've not watched it yet, so I'll get back to you with details on that. <laughs> I just saw a quick article. This thing said, Meet Paul McCartney, the ultimate Beatles geek. The excellent new Hulu documentary series, McCartney 321, gets up close with the most legendary of rock stars alone in the studio with Rick Rubin telling stories and listening deep to the Beatles. It's a fascinating thrill just to listen with him. Like anyone else, he's mystified by how these four nowhere boys from Liverpool managed to create this music. As Paul says, For me, I've grown to be a fan of the Beatles, because then I was just a Beatle. But now that the Beatles' volume of work is finished, I listen back to it and, you know, what's that baseline? <laughs> McCartney 321 is Paul really stretching his wings as a Fabs fan. He breaks down the tunes track by track, isolating the musical details. He makes occasional but welcome detours into his solo and wings years using archival photos and film footage. Ruben in his barefoot Yoda mode totally understands that his job here is to just listen and say, wow. <laughs> wow it's just three hours of conversation stretched out over six episodes but it flies by damn that's crazy it actually sounds pretty dope if you're a Beatles fan that at least sounds dope you know what I mean I feel like any real music fan or fan of art you know what I mean I used to love the CDs with all the little details in the booklet and shit like that so this is almost like a modern version of just behind the scenes you know what I mean? I love a good documentary on some old bands from the 60s and shit like that. Just whoever. I mean, it doesn't have to be music either, but it sounds pretty dope, man. So McCartney 321 on Hulu. Definitely checking that out, you Um. Also, congratulations to Meg The Stallion, officially the first rapper to ever cover the Sports Illustrated magazine, uh, <laughs> the swimsuit edition, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> Thank God she's the first rapper to ever be on there. You imagine fucking, <laughs> you know, a male, it's a it's a male-dominated fucking art form. What can I say? You know what I mean? I ain't trying to see dudes up there in fucking Speedos and shit, man. Meg will take, but you know what I mean? Fuck out of here with all that other shit. <laughs> What, 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 what the fuck is this piece of shit? But yeah, shouts to Meg, man. Well deserved. She's been fucking killing shit. I also saw that Mark Hoppus, bass player for Blink-182, Plus 44, um, you know, involved in a, a couple of different things. But I saw that Mark Hoppus has cancer, apparently. It said Mark Hoppus has large B-cell lymphoma stage 4A. 
Not exactly sure what that means. You know, I'm not a fucking doctor, but it seems that he's under currently undergoing chemotherapy for um, for lymphoma, form of cancer. So, big shout out, much love to Mark Hoppus, wishing him a speedy recovery. You know, if you know me, um, I used to be like a fucking diehard Blink-182 fan. I mean, I still love them, you know what I mean? But back in my younger years, like I said, always listening to punk rock and shit, they were a little more pop-punky. But I always fucked with uh, Blink-182, you know, talk about Travis on here plenty of times. So shouts to Mark, shouts to Tom out there as well. I'll go ahead and play a little... Man Overboard starts with a little bass line and got some Mark singing on here, so I figured this is a good one. But yeah, shouts to Mark Hoppus, man. Hope you're in speedy recovery, bro. Much love to you. Hoping you speedy recovery. Much love. You know, it's never good news when anyone has cancer, let alone somebody that you grew up on. You know what I mean? So, shouts to Mark Hoppus once again. Prayers and positivity, man. And last but not least, man. There's not details, so I don't want to get too much into it without, you know, fact-checking and... Uh, but, yeah, unfortunately, we got to end the music the music segment on a sad note rest in peace to the triple og legend man biz Marquis. like i said i don't have the details so i don't want to get too much into it but rest in peace biz Marquis. prayers and positivity to his family you know uh, i think he was only in his 50s or something so it's not like you know he wasn't that old man you know but this is this one's for the og man have you ever met a girl that you tried to date? But a year to make love, she wanted you to wait. Let me tell you a story in my situation. I was talking to this girl from the U.S. nation. The way that I met her was on tour at a concert. She had long hair and a short miniskirt. I just got on stage dripping pouring with sweat. I was walking through the crowd, and guess who I met? I whispered in her ear, come to the picture booth so I can ask you some questions to see if you're 100 proof. I asked her her name, she said, blah, blah, blah. She had nine, ten pants and a very big bra. 
I took a couple of flicks and she was enthused. I said, how do you like the show? She said I was very amused. I started throwing bass, she started throwing back mid-range. But when I sprung the question, she acted kind of strange. Because when I asked, do you have a man? She tried to pretend. She said, no, I don't. I only have a friend. Come on. I'm not even going for it. Here's what I'm going to say. You say he just a friend, and you say he just a friend. Oh, baby, you But you say he just a friend, but you say he just a friend. Oh, baby, you got what I need. But you say he just a friend, but you say he just a friend. So I took Baba's work for it. Yes, sir, man. Even if you're not a hip-hop head, you've definitely heard that song in a fucking movie, commercial, or something. Probably one of the most widely recognized hip-hop songs, I feel like. Uh, When did that shit come out? Man, rest in peace to Biz, man. 1989, bro. Get the fuck out of here. OG, quadruple OG, man. Once again, rest in peace to Biz... Marquee, man. Legend. That might have been the last thing we have for music, though. Let me double check. He. Yeah, I believe so. So we will move it right along. She. 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 One thing I saw, I know we've talked about crypto on here before. The title of this article is The Crypto World is Getting Greener. Is it too little, too late? Dun, dun, dun. Uh, recent advancements in proof-of-stake blockchain networks, carbon offsetting, alternative energy, and more will lead to an environmentally friendlier future for NFT, experts say. The environmental impact of NFTs is a relatively small part of a huge problem as the globe races to lower carbon emissions. Here, a state grid worker checks the equipment, uh, blah, blah, blah. Okay. Non-fungible tokens, or NFTs, are both literally and figuratively red hot in that they're trendy and also contribute to global warming. In the last few months, environmentalists have slammed blockchain enthusiasts for catapulting a technology into the mainstream that requires a whole lot of energy. But are they right in doing so? While yes, there is a problem, there is also potential solutions. Cryptocurrency, which arose out of the popular distaste for society's bank-reliant money model, was created so that average citizens could have complete control over their funds without government interference. Of course, it has since evolved to be much more than that, but that original idea meant that all financial records had to be globally accessible at lightning speed. The blockchain, a digital ledger, had to be available on the internet so, uh, so that a wide network of users' computers could work together to fact-check and flag fraud. When this was a niche topic, it wasn't an issue, but the game has changed. According to a new report from Gemini, 14% of American adults, about 21 million people, own cryptocurrency, and another 20% of American adults that have never owned cryptocurrency, around 50 million Americans, are likely to buy crypto in the next year. 
the amount of computational power needed to process that many transactions on first and second generation blockchain networks could be catastrophic. But those networks are no longer the only options. In April, analysts estimated that minting and sending one NFT on the popular Ethereum blockchain required the same amount of energy used to power the average American household for one and a half days, 48.14 kilowatt hours. Now it's up to 3.6 days. Adam Fell, co-founder of One Of, the music-centric NFT marketplace backed by Quincy Jones, said, um, that's why One Of runs on a different network called Tezos. And that's why it's why passionate people like Fell are determined to find a variety of sustainable solutions to a very real problem. One of Pride's itself, One Of, sorry, the company's name is One Of, literally O-N-E-O-F, as like two words squished into one. So One Of prides itself on minting NFTs that need only the same amount of energy as sending a tweet. How is that possible? The newer... Tezos, Tezos, T-E-Z-O-S, blockchain relies on what's called a liquid proof of stake LPOS concept. To understand LPOS, you must first understand proof of work, P-O-W, and the generation three model of proof of stake, P-O-S. <laughs> Not piece of shit. She, she, she. <laughs> Ethereum and Bitcoin currently run on the first and second generation concept of POW. Simply put, that means computers have to work very hard to maintain the network. One of CEO Lin Dai explained for a different story. The original Bitcoin required super technical specific computers that run on specialized chips to calculate mathematical problems impossible to calculate by regular computers. It's so hard that it costs a lot, he goes on. Ethereum is more programmable, but that makes it a little more prone to attack. With proof-of-stake computers, you don't have to work that hard. For one, you don't need as many computers. Two, they don't need those fancy chips. Instead, fewer, simpler computers stake assets or tokens for the privilege of verifying a transaction. They're putting up collateral, says Dai. So if you misbehave, your collateral gets taken by the network. The bigger the network gets, the more collateral you have to put up and the more impossible it is to attack. That's far more efficient. The actual recording and verifying of a transaction doesn't suck energy. It's a mathematical problem that Ethereum and Bitcoin force you to solve before you're allowed to verify a transaction that's unnecessary. Even Ethereum agreed that proof of stake is the future. And they've been working on evolving. It's true that Ethereum 2.0 is on track to become a POS platform, but it, its launch has been in the works for years and has already been delayed. As of now, insiders believe it should arrive by the end of 2021, so this year. In general, POS is more energy efficient than POW, but within POS, there are different offshoots. For example, delegated proof of stake, DPOS, Let's users vote on who gets to validate transactions on the network with voting power determined on the size of a user's stake. The validators with the most votes get to become delegates, validating transactions and collecting rewards for doing so. 
adding that depending on the protocol, DPoS can require significant computing power for the validator. Unlike other POS protocols, Tezos LPOS lets any stakeholder participate in the validation process. According to Tezos, the barrier for entry is lower. I don't know if it's Tezos or Tezos. I'm sorry. <laughs> According to Tezos, let's go with Tezos. There's only one E. If I'm saying it wrong, fuck out of here. Fuck out of According to Tezos, the barrier for entry is lower, so the process is more efficient and less costly. Approved validators can also pass on their validation rights to other users operating on their behalf. If you read and understood all that, take a deep breath and pat yourself on the back. If you didn't, feel free to follow the links to find more resources. Okay. Uh, one of isn't the only platform to jump on the LPOS train. The Hick at Nunk, H-E-N-N-F-T marketplace which launched on Tezos in February, had more daily active users, DAUs, at the end of April than OpenSea, another company spelled similar to one of, which is often referred to as the largest NFT marketplace. While multiple marketplaces now use LPOS, it is a Tezos, Tezos, fuck. <laughs> it is a Tezos invention, and it's the only blockchain that runs this way. It's actually incredibly difficult to do. When the white paper came out, I think in 2014 or 15, people were like, this would be awesome if you can actually build it. They were skeptical, wondering if this could be done or not, but they've done it and have successfully continued to operate for over three years. Die adds, in theory, 400 Tezos nodes or the computers, or the computers doing the verifying can run on the power of a toaster. Now, there's also something called Proof of Authority, POA, which is what VeChain uses for one. All right, this shit goes on and on. Um, if you want to read it, it's on fucking Rolling Stone. This shit, I didn't realize I took this many fucking screenshots. This is like a 30-page article. We ain't got time for that shit, done. But yeah, you get the gist, man. Uh, NFTs use a lot of computing power. You know what I mean? So just be careful, man. If you're mining out there, you one of these motherfuckers. You know what I'm saying? Mining shit. I don't know. I don't know how this shit works, man. She, she, she. But also, big shout out to Zayla Avantgarde. The last word, after hundreds of competitors fell to some of the dictionary's most colorful monsters, was Mariah. M-U... Is it Mariah or Mariah? I don't even know. M-U-R-R-A-Y-A. -R when Zayla Avant-Garde 14 spelled it correctly on Thursday night, she put her hands to her head, beamed and twirled her way through confetti and into spelling bee history as the first black American to win the Scripps National Spelling Bee. The victory gave an extra polish to Zayla's already remarkable resume. Not only has she competed in spelling bees for two years, she already holds three Guinness World Records for dribbling, bouncing, and juggling basketballs all before the ninth grade. Now I get to get a nice trophy, which is the best part of any win, she said in an interview on ESPN, which broadcasts the contest. She also won a $50,000 prize. You wait.
Shouts to Zayla, man. And then I saw fucking videos of her going crazy on the basketball court. And then there's another one of her, like, literally riding a unicycle, dribbling two balls at once. Like, this this chick is a fucking is a phenom, bro. So shouts again to Zayla. I mean, staying on her toes, staying on her fucking P's and Q's, man. She fucking out here, man. You know what I mean? So, yeah, shouts to her, bro. Fucking killing it. It's always cool to see young people fucking doing crazy shit like that. But staying on sports, man. Big shout out to the Tampa Bay Lightning. Once again, Stanley Cup champs, you know what I mean? And also, shout out to Italy. Italy officially won Euro 2020. The fucking football tournament that we were talking about, you know what I mean? And last but not least, we got the motherfucking Bucks. Milwaukee Bucks are the new NBA champions for the first time since 1971. They took down the Phoenix Suns. So, yeah, man. Fucking bunch of champs out here, you know what I mean? But, yeah, once again, congrats to all three of those teams in their respective sports, you know what I'm saying? Gotta keep pushing, man. Take it game by game, you know what I mean? But what else do we got, man? I feel like I know we got some serious stuff to talk about. Um, yeah, I guess, yeah, the rest of this stuff's pretty serious. So, you know, put on your fucking serious face, man. Alright? First things first, the president of Haiti has been assassinated. I think this was a week or two ago. I know I'm a little late. Like I said, I've been, you know, life happens, man. But this article says, The United States and Colombia said on Friday they will send law enforcement and intelligence officials to assist Haiti after a number of their nationals were arrested for the brutal assassination of President Jovenel Moise. The assassination of Moise by a squad of gunmen in the early hours of Wednesday morning at his home in Port-au-Prince pitched Haiti deeper into a political crisis here, which may worsen growing hunger, gang violence, and a COVID-19 outbreak. Police in Haiti said the assassination was carried out by a commando unit of 26 Colombian and two Haitian-American mercenaries. The two Haitian-Americans were identified as James Salages, 35, and Joseph Vincent, 55, both from Florida. Seventeen of the men were captured, including Salages and Vincent, after a gun battle with Haitian authorities in Pichonville, a hillside suburb of the capital Port-au-Prince where Moyes resided. Three others were killed and eight remain at large, according to Haitian police. Authorities are hunting for the masterminds of the operation, they said. A judge investigating the case told Reuters that Moyes was found lying on his back on the floor of his bedroom, with 12 bullet wounds and his left eye pushed in. The front door of the residence was covered in bullet holes and had been forced open while other rooms were ransacked. His body was riddled with bullets, Pichonville Tribunal Judge Carl Henry Destin said. There was a lot of blood around the corpse and on the staircase. The United States on Thursday pledged to send senior officials from the Federal Bureau of Investigation 
and Department of Homeland Security to Haiti as soon as possible to assess the situation and see how best they can assist, the White House said. Two U.S. law enforcement sources speaking on condition of anonymity to discuss an active investigation said that agencies were looking into U.S. connections to the killing. A State Department spokesperson said, We are aware of the arrest of two U.S. citizens in Haiti and are monitoring the situation closely. Due to privacy considerations, we have no further comment. Well, thank you for nothing. The head of Colombia's National Intelligence Directorate and Intelligence Director for the National Police will also travel to Haiti with Interpol to help the investigations, Colombian President Ivan Duque said on Friday. We offer all possible help to find out the truth about the material and intellectual perpetrators of the assassination, Duque wrote on Twitter, saying he had just spoken on the phone with Haiti's interim prime minister, Claude Joseph. Haitian officials have not given a motive for Moise's killing or explained how the assassins got past his security detail. He had faced mass protests against his rule since taking office in 2017, first over corruption allegations and his management of the economy, then over his increasing grip on power. Moyes himself had talked of dark forces at play behind the unrest, fellow politicians and corrupt oligarchs who felt his attempts to clean up government contracts and to reform Haitian politics were against their interests. Investigators in Colombia discovered that 17 of the suspects had retired from Colombia's army between 2018 and 2020. Armed Forces Commander General Luis Fernando Navarro told journalists on Friday, Jorge Luis Vargas, director of Colombia's National Police, said initial investigations had shown that 11 Colombian suspects had traveled to Haiti via the resort city of Punta Cana in the Dominican Republic, which shares the island of Hispaniola with Haiti. Two others traveled via air to Panama before flying to Dominican capital Santo Domingo and then Port-au-Prince, Vargas said. In Haiti, the government declared a 15-day state of emergency on Wednesday to help the authorities apprehend the killers but has since urged businesses to open up again. Grocery stores, gas stations, and commercial banks reopened on Friday, although the streets were still quiet, with just a few vendors plying their wares. More than a 1,000 people gathered outside the U.S. Embassy in Port-au-Prince on Friday following a rumor the United States might offer people asylum. I have been there since around noon and hope to be granted asylum like everybody else, said one woman outside the embassy compound who declined to give her name. The State Department did not immediately respond to a request for comment. Moises' killing sparked confusion about who is now the legitimate leader of the country of 11 million people, the poorest in the Americas. The assassination has provoked a political and institutional vacuum at the highest level of state, said Haitian opposition politician Andre Michel. There is no constitutional provision for this exceptional situation. The 1987 Constitution stipulates the head of the Supreme Court should take over, but there is no one currently in that role. Nor is there a sitting parliament following the postponement of elections in 2019. Just this week, Moyes had appointed a new prime minister, Ariel Henry, to take over from Joseph. 
although he had yet to be sworn in when the president was killed. Joseph has appeared to take charge of the situation, but Henry, who is viewed more favorable by the opposition, told Haitian newspaper Le Nouveliste, I'm sure that's incorrect, my bad, he did not consider Joseph the legitimate prime minister. Um, so yeah, man, I mean, that's, I can't remember the last time a, a leader of a country was assassinated, you know, so uh, prayers, positivity, much love to all the Haitian people, whether you're still in Haiti or here in America, you know, it affects everybody. Um, it's, you know, it's, it's never good news, man. It sounds like it was already madness down there. So then add this, it's like fuel to the fire, you know? Uh, yeah, once again, man, prayers and positivity to the whole Haitian community. Much love to you guys. Love. And I guess just staying on worldly news, specifically in the Caribbean, I don't know if you guys have heard about what's going down in Cuba. There's protests breaking out. The, the Cuban citizens are not being treated fairly, from what I understand. I'm going to read this quick little blurb here. After thousands demonstrated in cities and towns across Cuba on Sunday, President Joe Biden released a statement on Monday saying the U.S. stands with the Cuban people. The president called the protest a clarion call for freedom and relief while offering his support, but the president has not taken substantive actions to alleviate Cuban suffering. We stand with the Cuban people and their clarion call for freedom and relief from the tragic grip of the pandemic and from the decades of repression and economic suffering to which they have been subjected by Cuba's authoritarian regime. Biden's statement said, The Cuban people are bravely asserting fundamental and universal rights. Those rights, including the right of peaceful protest and the right to freely determine their own future, must be respected. The United States calls on the Cuban regime to hear their people and serve their needs at this vital moment rather than enriching themselves. The historic protests were prompted by nationwide food and vaccine shortages in the communist country. Demonstrators filled the streets chanting freedom and yes we can, while calling for an end to the nation's decades-old dictatorship. Calls for Biden to support the demonstrations began immediately after the protests began and came from both Florida's Republican Senator Marco Rubio and Florida Democratic Congresswoman Val Demings, who is running to unseat Rubio. Cuba continues to deal with the decades-old U.S. trade embargo as well as even stiffer sanctions imposed by the Trump administration. The sanctions, a bipartisan effort dating back to 1962, are aimed at destabilizing an authoritarian regime long led by Fidel Castro. The sanctions have been in place and in some form or another for 60 years. The sanctions have been in place in some form or another for 60 years. They have failed in their stated goal of destabilizing the regime, but succeeded in making life worse for the 11 million people who live under that regime. Seniors are the most vulnerable right now as they cannot afford the rising food prices, neither can they convert their money and wait in line and wait in eight-hour lines. For senior citizens, this means death. 
Some stores are only accepting U.S. dollars now, something majority of Cubans do not have and cannot afford to have. It has been reported that those who are finding ways to convert CUC to USD are being charged 1.50 CUC for one U.S. dollar. Has not been confirmed yet. Only those within Cuba have brought this up. CUC, I'm not sure what that stands for, but it's, I'm assuming that's the, the currency uh, in Cuba. Cubans struggle to fight back against the government as fines exceed more than they make in a month, and for some, a year. Independent journalists who publish information considered critical of the government are routinely subject to harassment, violence, smear campaigns, travel restrictions, raids on their homes and offices, confiscation of their working materials, and arbitrary arrests. The Cuban government still refuses to recognize human rights monitoring as a legitimate activity and denies legal status to local human rights groups. Government authorities have harassed, assaulted, and imprisoned human rights defenders who attempt to document abuses. So, yeah, man. Uh, much love also to all the Cuban community. You know what I mean? Cuba Fuerte. I've never, I want to go there. One of my aunts is Cuban. I've been telling her I want to go down there. Maybe right now wouldn't be the best time. But from what I hear, it's a beautiful fucking country. It just unfortunately seems to be led by a corrupt government, as a lot of um, poorer countries seem to be, unfortunately. I don't know what the fuck is going on, but that, yeah, man. Much love. Amor y paz a Cuba. La gente de Cuba. Just while I was reading that and hearing all that shit going on, reminds me of that fucking the intro scene from Scarface when Tony and Manolo just come over from Cuba to Miami. They're in like that, um, I guess, refuge camp with all the tents set up and shit, and they're tasked with killing that dude, Rabanga, the fucking corrupt politician, or I don't remember the exact role, but... It's a bunch of Cubans in the camp chanting, Libertad, Libertad. And then they fucking, they get his ass, man. Uh, actually, I know this song sampled it, but it just reminded me of that, man. If you haven't seen Scarface, then you probably don't know what the fuck I'm talking about. Then fuck out of or something I could do, you know. I guess all we can do is spread awareness, you know what I'm saying? That's what this shit's for. Try to stay informative, try to make people aware what the fuck's going on, not just here in America, but, you know, all over, man. Um, but, yeah, speaking of America, I've been seeing the West Coast has been dealing with fucking excruciating heat waves, apparently. Let's see what this thing says here. 
An abundance of excessive heat watches have spilled across the Southwest as residents continue to bake under record heat. Most notably, Las Vegas, Nevada and Death Valley, California can break all-time records over the weekend. On Friday, the temperature at Death Valley soared up to 130 degrees Fahrenheit, breaking the previous daily record high of 129 set back in 1913 on July 9th, according to the National Weather Service, NWS. Las Vegas also set a new daily record high temperature on Friday of 116, breaking the previous record of 113, which was set back in 1943 and tied in 2012. It came within a degree of matching the all-time record of 117, set in both June 2017 and July 2005. Several flights at Las Vegas's McCarran International Airport were delayed on Friday due to excessive heat. According to FlightAware, 364 flights in the airport were delayed. Another heat dome has settled in across the western U.S. and will persist into early next week, said AccuWeather senior meteorologist Tyler Roy's. The setup is similar to what led to the extreme heat across the Pacific Northwest and Western Canada at the end of June, when the region battled a round of its own record-breaking temperatures and devastating wildfires. This time, the core of the high pressure and heat will be anchored farther to the south and has allowed excessive heat to build up across the region, said AccuWeather senior meteorologist Adam Dowdy. An excessive heat warming went into effect last Wednesday across several locations at the start of extreme heat, including the Mojave Desert, Owens Valley, and Death Valley, and it will continue until 8 p.m. Pacific PDT. What is that? That's not Pacific Standard Time. Pacific Daily Time? I don't know. My bad. Uh, according to the National Weather Service, the hottest conditions look to be Saturday and Sunday as the area of high pressure peaks in strength, said Dowdy. During this time, not only will daily high temperature records be broken, but all-time records may be in jeopardy as well. AccuWeather forecasters are expecting more record heat in the Death Valley area on Saturday as temperatures may rise into the 130s. Holy shit. If Death Valley reaches 132 on Saturday as forecast, it would be the hottest reading since 1913, said AccuWeather senior meteorologist Bill Deeger. The July 10th record set... This is saying the same fucking shit. So yeah, man. Uh, apparently it's fucking blistering hot out in the West, man. So be safe out there. You know what I mean? Drink plenty of water. Hopefully you got a fucking pool. But even that shit will probably be uncomfortably hot. You know what I mean? If it's getting up to the 130s, bro. Like, what the fuck? That's some next level shit. Um, Let's see. We only got a couple more things here. Just speaking of hot. You know what I mean? Fucking... I was just talking to my sister, too, down in Texas. I saw that young Bezos, we got the Tezos and the Bezos, right? Jeff Bezos launched to the edge of space Tuesday morning with three fellow passengers and landed safely in a Texas desert aboard his space company's crew capsule. 
the NS-16 mission marked Blue Origin's first to carry humans and kicked off commercial services for the company's space tourism business. Flying Bezos, the richest man in the world who founded Blue Origin in 2000, sent a signal to prospective space tourists that the company's suborbital New Shepard rocket is safe to fly and open for business. The six-story tall New Shepard booster lifted off under clear skies at 9.12 a.m. Eastern Time on Tuesday from its remote launching site in Van Horn, Texas with the company's gumdrop-shaped RSS First Step crew capsule fixed on top. Bezos, his brother Mark, aviation legend Wally Funk, and Dutch teen Oliver Damon, who represented Blue Origin's first paying customer, were strapped inside the capsule. The crew capsule sped to a peak altitude of 66 miles at three times the speed of sound before parting with the booster. The passengers experienced a brief feeling of weightlessness and could see the curvature of Earth on the brim of its atmosphere. You hear that, Flat Earthers? Get the fuck out of here. Fucking idiot. My main mission was accomplished. I didn't kick anyone, Bezos quipped after his capsule touched down. I was surprised at how easy zero-G was. It was like swimming. The mission made Funk, 82, the oldest person to reach space, and Damon, 18, the youngest. Bezos has said, Launching to space has been his dream since he was a kid. He became the second billionaire to ride his own rocket to space after Virgin Galactic founder Richard Branson, who flew on his company's Spaceship 2 space plane on July 11th. The new Shepard booster landed vertically on a concrete pad five miles from where it launched, capping the third haul to space for that particular booster. Before Tuesday's flight, Blue Origin had conducted 15 uncrewed test launches of its new Shepard rocket. The company has yet to reveal the price it charges for each seat and has declined to offer any ballpark figures. The rocket's most recent test flight in April was an astronaut rehearsal mission, quote-unquote, where company executives role-played as passengers in the moments leading up to liftoff. Every mission we've conducted so far has been preparing us to put humans on board. Blue Origin's NS-16 flight director, Steve Linaeus, told reporters on Sunday. The passenger seat occupied by Damon, a recent high school grad from the Netherlands, was initially reserved for the anonymous winner of an auction that Blue Origin carried out in June, that winner bid $28 million to fly but rescheduled for a later New Shepard mission due to scheduling conflicts. Blue Origin spokesperson declined to identify the bidder or expand on the scheduling issues. Damon's father, founder and CEO of a Dutch private equity firm, had bought a seat on New Shepard's next mission in the fall and was bumped up to the first flight instead. He gave the seat to his son. Tuesday's flight was a long-sought success for the company as it faces aggressive competition from other space firms like Elon Musk's SpaceX. Blue Origin had pitched New Glenn, its much larger rocket system in development in Florida, to the Air Force for a multi-billion dollar launch program. But it lost to SpaceX and its other rival United Launch Alliance. 
In April, NASA rejected Blue Moon and the company's proposal, Human Lunar Lander. The agency opted to pick SpaceX's Starship system instead. Blue Origin launches New Shepard from its Launch Site 1 facility in Van Horn, a remote town in West Texas, roughly 70 miles from the U.S.-Mexico border. The first iteration of the rocket began as a smaller concept called Goddard, which debuted in 2006. New Shepard launched for the first time in 2015, but crashed during its attempt to land. All other flights have been successful, giving Blue Origin the confidence to send its billionaire founder on the rocket's inaugural crewed mission. We know the vehicle is safe. If the vehicle is not safe for me, it's not safe for anyone, Bezos said in an interview Monday morning. Blue Origin engineers conducted some real-time evaluations with some of NS-16's passengers mid-flight, and post-mission data reviews will provide hordes of data to inform any changes to the passenger experience in the future. Lessons learned from New Shepard's flights will inform Blue Origin's other vehicles like New Glenn and Blue Moon. So yeah, apparently we've been buying all this shit from Amazon so young bays can fucking fly to the moon, bro. I didn't know that. Um... It's just crazy because I I see these articles all the time about how underpaid Amazon employees are. And then this fucking billionaire is just shooting himself up into space for fun. Literally as like a weekend hobby. It's just, it's it's really nuts, dude. The world that we live in is fucking bonkers. Also, there's all these issues with Cuba and, um, you know, everywhere else around the world. I've been seeing this tur- turmoil in South America, excuse me, South Africa. So it's a little odd to see. I mean, no one can tell Bezos how to spend his money, but when you're a multi-multi-billionaire, you would think you'd have a little change. Like, I think he's a Cuban-American, Jeff Bezos. Let me look that up. I'm not positive. But even if he's not, you know what I mean? If you have a heart, uh, I don't know. It's just It seems odd. I get it, man. You're fuck. It's like you're fucking the real life Batman or some shit. Um, let's see. He. It says he was born in New Mexico. But let's see. All right. I guess apparently his parents are from fucking. Uh. Denmark. But it says later, after his parents' divorce, his mother married Cuban immigrant Miguel Mike Bezos in April 1968. So he definitely has Cubans in his family. I don't know. Not saying like he's the fucking savior for Cuba, but it's just odd that the world's crumbling around us and this dude is literally just like getting his kicks by fucking shooting himself up to space. You know what I mean, just for fun. Like, woo, we out of here. <laughs> What the fuck is this piece of shit? So, I don't know. Speaking of space, I finally watched the new Space Jam. It's actually pretty good, I'm not gonna lie. I mean, it's definitely a cheesy kids flick, but at the end of the day, man, it's fucking Space Jam. Like, what are you gonna do? You gotta expect that shit, you know what I mean? And last but certainly not least, man, 
what, 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 what the fuck is this piece I of shit? I saw that Texas Senate passes bill removing basically real history. What Buddha and I were talking about on episode 50, all this whitewashing history. It said that Texas Senate had passed a bill removing MLK and Native American history from the required curriculum. Which is fucking nuts, bro. Also, it no longer requires schools to teach about slavery, the KKK, and women's suffrage. So literally, just, I mean, just not, I guess you can't say they're not, I don't even know, man. I wasn't surprised, let me just say that, Texas being what it is. Like, no fucking disrespect to to Texas, but I think... There's definitely a reputation over there that seems to be pretty truthful. Um, It's just fucking nuts, man. Like, I don't know if they're necessarily going to lie, but it definitely sounds like they're going to tiptoe around the real truth. You know what I mean? Like, reality that really happened, they're just like, eh, we don't want to teach that today. You know what I'm saying? Like, I don't know. It's kind of fucking nuts, man. So... If you're a Texan, you're really anywhere, you should definitely teach your kids what the fuck is really going on. You know what I mean? Um, I don't know, man. Fuck out of here. nuts, bro. But I think that's going to wrap it up, man, for episode 53. You know what I mean? So, yeah, man. You know the motherfucking vibes, you know what I'm saying? But before we get to the vibes, here's a little vibe. <laughs> Blackbird singing in the dead of night. Take these broken wings and learn to fly all your life. You were only waiting. For this moment to arise Blackbird singing in the dead of night Take these sunken eyes and learn to see All your life You are only waiting for this moment to be free Blackbird fly Blackbird fly Into the line of a dark black Beatles vibe to wrap it up. She, she, she. Yes, sir. This is going to be the end of episode 53. Reiterating, as always, man, hit the email, therealkpodcast at gmail.com. 
follow the fucking Instagram page, The Real K Podcast. Keep up with the show. Give me some five stars, comments, thumbs up, whatever the fuck, man. YouTube, run that shit up too, man, you know? I appreciate all you guys' support. Got some good things coming. Just trying to keep it, keep the fucking ball rolling, man. But before we wrap it up, like I said in the beginning, um, <laughs> I am going to bounce back and forth between weekly and bi-weekly for sanity's sake and also just for life's sake, man. Uh, I don't know if I mentioned, I think I might have on the last episode, my brother's over in Spain right now. So next week... Guess who's going to be motherfucking joining them, man? God damn right. Damn, 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 damn right. Fucking flying out to Barcelona, man. So chances are I'm not doing the pod next week. Yeah, you know I mean, maybe you get lucky. I'll do a little voice memo when I'm out there or some shit. But chances are I'm going to be fucking living my goddamn life. So when I come back, uh, it'll probably be two weeks from this episode. You get the next update and so on and so forth. You know what I mean? But, uh, yeah, man, just just got to keep it moving, man. Keep it pushing. Roll with the motherfucking punches. Play the cards that you dealt, man. You understand? She, she, she. But I, much love to you guys. Appreciate you being here with me, lending me your ears for this fucking audio extravaganza. You know what I mean? I don't know. As always, man, stay safe. Stay smart, stay sexy, and stay motherfucking tuned. Episode 53 of the K Motherfucking Podcast. Oh, yeah. Adio. The K Podcast. You don't have to go home, you just can't stay here, alright?